Hi, it's Ellen, and today we're going to be covering opposition to the Nazi regime between 1933 and 1939. So there definitely was opposition to the Nazi regime, and this is revealed through studies of local archives as well as oral history projects. Furthermore, opposition came in several forms and to varying degrees. Um, so firstly, we're going to talk about religious opposition, and firstly, about the Protestant church. The confessional church broke away from the Nazi church, and this was led by Martin Niemöller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. These were members who were arrested for criticising the Nazi regime. Bonhoeffer, for example, taught trainee ministers to resist Nazism and condemned the Nuremberg Laws of 1935. There was also opposition from the Catholic Church. For example, Catholic Bishop von Garlen criticised the regime, and he was actually far too popular to be punished by Hitler. In 1937, the Pope also publicly criticised the Nazi government for breaking the Concordat, harassing priests and its idolatry of the German state and race. The Catholic Church spoke out against key Nazi policies, for example, forced sterilisation. Opposition also manifested in the form of politics. The SPD and KPD operated underground. The SPD in exile had groups in industrial towns distributing leaflets. The Dusseldorf Gestapo reported from 1936 and they monitored how the KPD and SPD used words of mouth plus setting up cells in factories and sports clubs to encourage opposition. In 1937, a Gestapo report supposedly said that this propaganda was having a degree of success. Opposition also came from a group of conservative monarchists, and this is called the Kreisau Circle, who formed in 1933. This was comprised of army officers and aristocrats who opposed Hitler. The regime highly... The regime relied quite heavily on denunciation. Local studies show that 50 to 80% of investigations were as a result of the denunciation. However, this were on spurious personal grounds based on grudges or jealousies rather than the firm political accusations. A random sample from the Dusseldorf Gestapo shows a decline in recorded dissident behaviour after 1937. Humour for example, making jokes about Hitler, was actually a very important means of opposition. So what historians think about the degree of opposition to the Nazis and its success? Haydn in 1996 stated that the persecution of hundreds of thousand Germans illustrates that dissent and nonconformity must have been widespread. In contrast, Pucher in 1989 stated that active resistance was only a minority affair it mobilised tens of thousands of people, but remained decentralised and ineffectual. And Hillenbrand in 1994 stated, Many people found in the telling of such jokes only means to protest against the police state in which they lived. So in terms of religious opposition, we um, had the confessional church, which was a branch of Protestantism. Martin Niemöller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer were key members of this church and they were arrested for criticising the Nazi regime. And historians present different perspectives on the efficacy of opposition and you should really consider at home which side you agree with. Do you think it was very successful and widespread or was it very incoherent? Haydn in 1996 supposes that the persecution of hundreds of thousands of Germans illustrates that dissent and nonconformity must have been widespread. 
The traditional view of Nazi Germany was that it was a totalitarian state, and it, this was supported by terror. But recently, historians have begun to consider that people were actually beginning to support and cooperate with the regime. So Nazi Germany was effectively a one-party state with one Führer who was both president, chancellor, and from 1938, commander of all armed forces. The three branches of control were repression, censorship, and propaganda. And a key concept to consider here is Gleichschaltung, which means effectively bringing into line. The Nazi influence can be seen in almost every aspect of life, if, for example, school curriculums, in the DAF, in the KDF, in youth movements. And effectively, there wasn't much real opposition and they dealt with it very effectively. Resistance to the Nazi regime was arguably limited as most Germans supported it or at least took no action against it. However, it's very difficult to completely and accurately measure how much people believed in Nazism as an ideology. People's courts and directing judges to rule according to the will of the people also sidelined opposition. However, we might not be able to say that it was completely totalitarian, as historians argue, argue that the Gestapo was much weaker than previously thought. Perhaps it was more reliant on its reputation and cooperation from the German people than we originally believed. Mulman and Paul in 1994 said, Although the Nazi regime's aspirations were totalitarian, the reality was not. Evidence of Gestapo activities shows it often relied upon denunciations as it did not have sufficient staff. To put some numbers on this, there were 30,000 Gestapo officers who were required to monitor 65 million people. And there was a degree of small-scale opposition, as we've established before. In terms of the political opposition, we have propaganda from the KPD and SPD. Youth movements included the Edelweiss Pirates and Swing Groups. And as we've established, there was the confessional church, which is part of Protestantism. And the Catholic Church also overtly criticised the Nazi regime. Um, and this was driven by 1937, the papal encyclical. And finally, we know that the military also posed some opposition to the Hitler. Um, and until the dismissal of over 100 generals in 1938, Hitler was very wary of the army. So can we describe Nazi Germany as totalitarian? It's um, a very moot point, but we do know that the three-pronged approach which the Nazis used rested on repression, censorship and propaganda. Thank you very much for listening to this episode about the degree of opposition to the Nazi regime. Next time, we're going to be talking about economic policies between 1933 and 1939. If this episode has got you in the mood for more revision, then head over to SenecaLearning.com, where you can revise all of your A-level subjects absolutely free. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Anchor, then you will find a link in the bio. But if not, just type in SenecaLearning.com and you'll find us. While you're at it, if you could rate us five stars and subscribe or follow to all of our revised podcasts, which cover every subject you need, then that will help other people to find our podcasts.